will be reading the first six verses of Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you speak through your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that your Holy Spirit takes your word and works it deep into our hearts and our lives. And and Father, I pray that today... In a very special and in a very fresh way that you will implant your word deep to the very core of us. And that we will not refuse or or reject what it is that you are saying, but that we will have open ears to listen and to receive and to trust you and your word, O God. Father, I pray that you will make me a clean and a pure vessel to speak through. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in the precious name of our dear Lord Jesus we pray. Amen. Words have meaning. And ideas have consequences. Words have meaning and ideas have consequences. This is a phrase that one of my professors at seminary used to share often. And it's shared by many because it's true. You see, words are like packages which carry and deliver ideas and thoughts. The way that I am able to communicate to you what's going on in my mind is through the medium of language, words. And those words carry that meaning from my mind And it goes through your ears, and it is received in your mind. 
by stringing together little letters in various different ways and in particular sequences, words are formed. And once those letters that have been strung together to develop a word are put and in a certain sequence, combined with other various words, they develop statements, they develop sentences, and these sentences communicate different ideas, whether they correspond with what is real or If they are false, they communicate ideas, and those ideas have consequences in the real world. See, by words being communicated, wars are started. By words being communicated, peace is made. By words being communicated, the horrors and the atrocities of the Holocaust where six million people were murdered, Jews were slaughtered. It all stemmed from ideas that were communicated through the medium of words. The genocide that occurred in Armenia in the late 19, well, from between 1915 to 1920, where almost a million people were slaughtered, came as a consequence of ideas, belief systems that were communicated through words. The genocide in Rwanda of 1994, where a million people were killed in almost 100 days, came down to and was rooted in words that were communicated. It was words that were communicated that led to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. But on the flip side, it's words that are communicated that builds up. When President Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall, it had incredible consequence. Words have power to build up and they have power to tear down. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. But not only do words have power of death and life, they also have the power of revelation. They have the power to reveal. Revealing who we are. Revealing our thoughts. Revealing our desires. When a young man sees a young lady who's attractive to him, and he wants to get to know her better... He doesn't just go and spend time with him and with her and it's completely silent and they don't say anything. They just are there. The way to get to know her is by communicating and sharing words with one another. And in that way, they reveal who they are 
to one another. Words come out of the abundance of who we are. Jesus said in Luke 6.45 that out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So the words that come from our mouth reveal what is at the very core of who we are. It reveals our belief systems. It reveals who we are. And so it should come as no surprise to us. When words are so incredibly powerful and important amongst us as humans, that we, who have been made in the image of God, reflect the truth that His word is of utmost importance. And His words has the greatest power. And when his word is communicated, it has the most powerful and profound consequences. You see, the word of the Lord is what he used to create all things. It was the word of the Lord, and it is the word of the Lord, that he holds all things together. But it's not only that he created all things by his word and that he holds all things together by his word. He also reveals himself through his word. See, the word of of the Lord reveals the character of God to us. Who he is. The word of the Lord reveals the heart of God. To us, what he desires. And the word of the Lord reveals the will of God, his purposes for the world as a whole and for each individual. See, indeed, apart from the Lord's revelation of himself through his word, there would be no hope of mankind ever knowing God. So it's with this understanding that we can understand the great significance in today's passage when the phrase, the word of the Lord came, is not only used, but it is repeated twice. In verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And then once again in verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And through God's word coming to Abram in this interaction, the Lord was revealing himself to Abram. He was revealing who he was. He was revealing his character. He was revealing his purposes, his heart, his promises. And I want to challenge us. The Lord continues to reveal himself through his word to us. And as Abram responded to the Lord, may we respond 
to his revelation of himself and of his word and of his purposes. Verse 1 through 3, I want us to consider that the Lord reveals his person or his character through his word. And from Abram, we can learn to respond to him honestly. And then secondly, in verses 4 through 6, we see that the Lord reveals his purposes or his promises through his word. And from Abram, we can see that the proper response to the revelation of the Lord through his word is belief to believe. So first of all, the Lord reveals his person through his word. Respond to him honestly and with honesty. In verses 1 through 3, it says this. After these things, so after these things is after the battle in which Abram went and defeated the four kings of Mesopotamia. And he came back and the king of of Salem, Melchizedek, came out and blessed him. And then he had an interaction with the king of Sodom in which Sodom was offering him to keep all of the booty and from, uh, from the defeat of the, the enemy. But Abram said no because he was trusting the Lord's provision. And so it was after that interaction when Abram is left in this point of really not sure what was going to happen next. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says this, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. This is powerful, what the Lord told Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. See, by the Lord making this promise to Abram, he is declaring to Abram who he is. By declaring that he is Abram's shield, he is declaring that he is Abram's protector. And by declaring that Abram's reward will be very great, he is declaring that he is Abram's provider. Now, this is something that all around us, and ourselves included, we long for. We long for protection. We long for and we need provision in our life. And in fact, if we take a moment to listen to what the politicians are saying, they are promising those very things. They are promising protection and provision. 
In fact, um, a couple of weeks ago, there was a lady from this area who was running for office, and her and her husband, they drove up to our house um, uh, trying to get the word out and campaigning. But it was interesting, on her website, uh, when, it, when it highlights what she's running on or the platform, it's, it says this, I am running for this particular position to keep Montana beautiful, clean, and safe for future generations. So what she's saying is, if I get into this position, I will be able to provide protection. I will be able to provide safety. We've all heard politicians make that promise. Not only will I provide safety, but I will provide, really, the needs that you have in your life. But those promises far too often ring empty. And no real protection or provision can be guaranteed by any earthly politician. But there is one who is perfect in his protection. There is one who is perfect in his provision. And he is the one who was revealing himself to Abram through his word. And he's saying, Abram, you don't know exactly what's going on. You just came from after this battle. You don't know if they're going to come and attack you again out of revenge. But you don't need to worry because I am your protection. I am your shield. And you just turned down the king of Sodom who offered you all of this wealth. But you don't need to worry about it because I am your provider. Your reward shall be very great. And throughout the landscape of scripture, we see this over and over again. The Lord's protection and the Lord's provision. Consider the nation of Israel when they are brought out of Egypt. And the army of Egypt is hot on their tail. Seeking to completely wipe them out. What did the Lord do? He appeared in the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And in Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 20, you can see how when the nation of Israel got to the Red Sea and the, and the army of Egypt was right behind them, the Lord, as the pillar of fire, went to the rear guard and protected his people from the enemy. The Red Sea was split asunder. The nation of Israel went across. And then as they were in the desert, the Lord provided for them. In Exodus chapter 16, it highlights how daily he provided manna for them. 
He is the perfect provider. He is the perfect protector. And in the psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 84, it says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The promise of his protection was not only to Abram, but it's to all of his children. All of those who have been born again. See, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. But consider with me Abram's response to the Lord's promise and the Lord's, the Lord's revelation to him. In verse 2 and 3, but Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. See, Abram hears the Lord speaking to him, and the Lord is making this promise. But Abram also is trying to process the reality of his situation. Ten years prior to this, the Lord had appeared to Abram and promised that he would be the father of a great nation. Ten years, that's a long time. And here he is, and he remains childless. It, 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 it seemed impossible. And so now the Lord comes and makes this promise that Abram's reward would be very great. Abram hears it and he receives it. But as he goes through and as he thinks about the reality of his situation, he struggled to see how it was going to be. I don't have any kids. How could there be a great reward? How could there be a great nation? See, Abram was honest with the Lord about his struggle. Abram was honest with the Lord about his struggle to believe God's promise. Now, this is an incredible lesson for us to learn. Because there's a lot of times where in our life we may know what God's word says. We can, may, we can understand the promises that he has made. But the reality of our life may lead us to come to the conclusion that actually none of it is true. We can know that the Lord has promised us his presence. But in those moments where it seems like everyone is rejecting us, we feel like we're alone. We, we can know that the Lord has promised his provision. But in the moment, everything is a struggle. 
We can understand that He has promised His protection, but it just seems like we're getting hit from every side. You know what we tend to do as humans? We like, to co- we like to complain to one another about the difficulties we're experiencing. And highlight how hard it is. But you know what can be so hard for us? Is to, to direct our complaint to God himself. To be honest with God. To be honest with God about our struggles. See, to direct our struggles and our honesty to Him really takes a certain amount of trust. And what we see happen here for Abram was he trusted God enough to be honest with Him. And he directed it to the Lord. He said, Lord, I know that you have promised this, but here I am and I am childless. And Eliezer of Damascus, a member of my household, he's going to be my heir. But he directed it to the Lord. One commentator says this, it is good to share your concerns with the Lord. Even if what you say seems to evidence unbelief or impatience in your heart. God is not deaf to your questions or unconcerned about your feelings. He did not rebuke Abraham. Instead, he gave him the assurances that he needed. See, the Lord reveals himself through his word and he reveals his character to us. And there may be times where even in the midst of understanding his revelation, we still struggle with the reality of our existence and our life. And in the midst of it, he's calling us to be honest with him about it, to process it before him. One of the greatest books in the Bible to help us with that is the book of Psalms. Because throughout the book of Psalms, we see the psalmist go through the range of emotions. Anger, hatred, bitterness, joy, happiness, sorrow, depression, all of these things. And he prays them before God. He directs them to the Lord. Respond to him and his revelation of himself through his word with honesty. The Lord reveals himself through his word. Respond to what he has revealed. In verses 4 through 6, we see the Lord reveals his purposes through his word. Respond to him with belief. Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, to Abram. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. 
Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he, that is the Lord, counted it to him, Abraham, as righteousness. When the Lord made this promise once again to Abram, he was reiterating the promises that he had already given him. In Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 13, we see that the Lord had promised that he would be the father of a great nation. So he is reiterating those promises to him. But as he makes this promise to Abram, really what he is promising is... Life from the dead. Or life out of death. See, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we're given an insight into what is going on uh, in, um, in Abram's heart and in his mind during this time. Hebrews chapter 11, um, starting in verse 8, and I'll just read um, to verse 12. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him, as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Isn't that incredible? It gives us an insight. It says Abram or Abraham was as good as as dead. So now when the Lord brings this promise that Abram is going to have a son, the promise that he is making to Abram is not just a miracle of making something that's okay and works better. What, what, what he's promising is bringing something that is dead to life. A promise of resurrection. And, and it's incredible because here in Genesis chapter 15, we see Abram's response. Abram believed. He believed 
the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. This is one, well, there are so many important verses in Scripture, but this is one of the most important verses in in Scripture. And, And why do I say that? I say that because it is quoted four times in the New Testament. Twice in the book of Romans chapter 4, once in the book of Galatians chapter 3, and once in James chapter 2. As time goes on and we continue our study through the book of Genesis and we continue studying about Abram, we'll consider these other passages. But what I want us to do today is to consider Romans chapter 4. Because in Romans chapter 4, this verse... Genesis 15, verse 6, is quoted twice. Abram, he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So I'm going to read for us Romans 4. Romans 4. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. 
That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why His faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Now listen to this. It will be counted to us. Who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification? Powerful. Abraham believed. He he believed God. He believed the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. See, God's word is powerful. He, He not only reveals who he is through his word, he reveals his purposes and his plans and his desire and his promises. To Abram, it was a promise that life would come out of death. Abram simply believed. See, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. 
And, and what we are told here in Romans chapter 4 is that for us, when we hear the good news of our dear Lord Jesus, I mean, listen to this. It will be counted to us who believe in him who was raised, who raised from the dead, Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. To be justified is to be declared right. If you're in the court of law and accusations are brought against you, To be justified is for the judge to look and say that no, those accusations are not correct. But even more than that, you have done the right thing. So now when we think about what it means to be justified by God, we who are sinners, we who daily fail and Fall short of God's perfect standard. Who justly deserve an eternity separated from him in hell. The lake of fire. <clears throat> to be declared not only innocent. But righteous. Not only forgiven of the wrong things that we have done. All of the right things. Righteousness. That corresponds with God's will and his law. All of that accounted to us. The debt of our sin erased. The righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed in its place. See, the world asks the question, how can I be made right with God? That's why there's so many different religions. And each of these religions say, well, for you to be made right with God, you need to do this, that, and that, and that, and that. For the Muslim, it's the five pillars of Islam. In Buddhism, there's the meditation and the purging of oneself. And we could go on and on, but at its very core, every one of these religions is saying, you have to do something to make God accept you. You have to be good enough. You have to work hard enough. You have to try harder so that maybe God will accept you and declare you right. Abram understood that righteousness could never come from the good things that he had done. He understood that righteousness was a gift. Given by the Lord who raises the dead. And he simply trusted. 
He simply believed. He turned from trusting in anything else. And that's what really repentance is. And he trusted in the Lord and in his word. And the one who can raise the dead. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. One commentator makes the the point that in the Hebrew, the word translated believed means to lean your whole weight upon. Abraham leaned wholly on the promise of God and the God of promise. We know what that's like to sit on a chair We lean the whole weight of our body upon that chair. I think it was about a year ago. Um, we were going to lunch uh, with my parents at the Greek pastry shop um, in Missoula. So we ordered our food and then we went out. And there was a picnic table there. And I sat down. But the moment that I sat down... The, uh, the bench I was sitting ended up breaking and I just fell to the ground. It was kind of funny for my wife and, and parents to watch. Um, but what happened was that bench wasn't strong enough to hold the weight of my body. It wasn't Worthy to be trusted. What is being revealed to us through God's word. Is that there is only one. Who is to be trusted with the full weight of our life. There is only one. Who is worthy. Of our complete Belief and trust. The one who was raised from the dead. Our dear Lord Jesus. And for those who trust in him. His righteousness is accounted to us. Just like it was to Abram. So if you're here today and you have never trusted in Jesus Christ and him alone and never turned away from trusting in yourself or anything else and put your full weight of your life and your eternity on Jesus and him alone. Today, I want to challenge you. Today is the day of salvation. Trust in him and be made righteous with God. Not because of anything you have done, but because of what Christ has done on your behalf. And receive it as a free gift, just as Abram did. For us as who have trusted in Christ, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Abram heard God's word. And he responded By simple trust and belief in what God had said. For us to grow in our faith takes a continual growth and sitting under the influence of God's word. 
And I want to encourage each and every one of us to think through, how are we doing at spending time meditating on God's word? See, the Lord reveals himself through his word. He reveals his character. He reveals his purposes. He reveals his power, his promises. And I want to encourage each and every one of us to daily immerse ourselves in what God has revealed in his word and respond in faith. And through that, live out the righteousness that he has given us in Christ. The Lord reveals himself through his word. Respond to what he has revealed. Words are powerful. And words have meaning and ideas have consequences. Seek to fill your mind with the word of God and respond in faith. Father, we thank you for your word. I just pray that um, anything that was shared that was not of you, that you will um, just erase it. And whatever is of you, I pray that you will cause it to stick in our hearts and that we will grow to trust you in a deeper way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.